Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by the team from Bandage Point Archery as we're talking broadheads and the release of their newest design for a single bevel broadhead. All right, welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you for listening as always. Thank you for joining me. So it is the 4th of July weekend, so happy 4th of July to everyone out there. Hope you have a fun and safe holiday um, as we celebrate our independence as a nation here. So I know it's been a while since I've turned out an episode. Uh, it's been a while since I've talked to you. Uh, it's been one of those crazy things where kind of the month of June was kind of chaotic between uh, you know my work. Uh, basically, we we're making a lot of transitions with personnel and scheduling. So, uh, you know, it's been quite a bit where, you know, essentially once I'm done with work for the day, you know, I come home, it's basically, you know, eat some dinner and it's time for bed. Uh, so some of the timing on that has made it difficult for me to be able to sit down and, um, you know, put out an episode. And then also too, I've been working still very hard on trying to finish up a, a studio. Uh, so better space to work within, uh, because right now I'm still working kind of out of a spare bedroom, uh, in our house. So I'm finishing up the last few details of basically getting the, the remodel done for that for that recording studio so it's going to be a much better setup um, you know kind of a, a better sounding area as well so basically the idea is hopefully have a better space to will work and you know basically put, be able to put out better content so so working on that still finishing up the last few details on the website uh, so that's still in the works. So again, hopefully here in the next few weeks, we'll have those last few details done and be able to you know, release that website. Um, you know, basically, again, trying to make that a kind of a one-stop shop for any of the content or information that um, I'm hoping to be able to share with everyone, um, basically to make it just a little bit easier, you know, people to come and see what's going on with the show. And again, hopefully to be able to expand that out to offer a lot more uh, services and information and content for you all. Also, I'm very excited. I've got some custom-made hats coming. Uh, they should be here in probably in about another week and a half. Um, so I'll have those on hand, which those will be for sale as well. Uh, so if you're interested in getting any uh, MI Hunting uh, hats, it's going to be the start of a potential um, expansion of some merchandise or logo wear. Um, so I'm very excited about that. You know, as you know, I'm always wearing a hat, especially during these recordings. You know, I've got a big thing with, you know, just hats in general, uh, especially one that's going to be, you know, holding my own logo. It's going to be very exciting about that. And then still working on some of the details of being able to get some uh, apparel as well. So very excited to be able to get that part of the process completed and also have that available. Um, again, any support that you have for or from you, the listener, um, who's willing to you know, purchase those items will again be put right back into the show and show your support um, wearing some of the logo wear. And then as an additional update, um, you know, since really last time I talked, you know, it's been basically kind of food plot getting those trail cameras put out. So with that spring to summer food plot that I did, again, it's been very tough with the lack of rain that we've had. Uh, you know, basically I had to postpone the planning about a week and a half from really what I, I usually like to. I usually like to have kind of that end date of really the middle of May to June 1st really uh, to get that planted. So I basically want that uh, summer cover crop to be mature enough to be able to use as a good mulch to lay down over, uh, you know, the fall seed. 
Uh, and again, it's been very tough, you know, with the lack of rain that we had. And then this was the, the very first time of using uh, uh, Packamax's uh, roller crimper attachment. So I tried that for the very first time again with the mix. Uh, you know, basically the, the plants were mature enough where I, it looked like I was going to get a very good kill on the plants. Everything laid down really nicely. Uh, that roller crimper seemed to really do its thing by basically, you know, crimping off or, you know, pinching the, the stems of a lot of the plants. Uh, I've gone back since then and kind of look at the kill. It worked. It kind of worked. So essentially, a lot of the plants that you expect to have been uh, terminated uh, were. So a lot of the, uh, especially the rye, uh, because of how, how that stem works and the, the maturity of the, the plants at the time where they're in that dough stage where they're starting to create that seed head that was, you know, trying to get ready to, to seed out that, you know, essentially everything that was, you know, at that stage for the rye, that all got killed and is dead and you know laying down and dried up. Uh, some of the clovers, so the crimson clover, uh, looks like that most of that got killed off from that roller crimper. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the hairy vetch, or it looks like majority of the hairy vetch that was in the field, uh, that did get set back a little bit. It did look like it was starting to, you know, yellow a little bit and starting to dry out a little bit. Ultimately, uh, those plants did come back, so it didn't. Uh, you know crimp down that stem enough or those you know the branches or the stemmy parts of it it didn't kill enough of the plant or damage the plant enough to get a good kill so a lot of that did come back and then some of the the white clover that was in especially one end of the food plot uh that again looked like it got damaged a little bit but ultimately has come back and is still thriving so it kind of worked again more of that was probably just my execution and the type of vegetation that was in there um, or maybe that's I just didn't you know use the application properly or maybe I should have done multiple passes to you know make sure that some of those other plant species uh, got a better you know got ran over a little bit better uh, to kill it properly so uh, so kind of looking at you know as the summer progresses seeing how that food pot grows in you know some of those spots where some of those mature plants are have grown in uh, you know, I may not get a good take of the, the, the summer seed. So we'll just have to see you know, as these weeks progress on how that looks. Um, at this point, you know, kind of thinking the idea of maybe doing uh, this, uh, you know, rolling over it again uh, for the fall crop and then using a little bit of herbicide as well, or even considering um, just doing like a very light or um, a very shallow, you know, mechanical tillage. Um, so it's taking like a roller tiller, kind of taking that little you know inch or two maybe three inches of the soil tilling that up breaking up those plants and getting that fresh uh, seed down um, you know on a fresh uh, soil bed and then you know cult packing that down so i've got a couple of different options on how i want to proceed with that so the spring uh, summer food pot cover crop isn't going to turn out you know quite the way i was hoping it would um but again it was a it was a kind of a necessary evil to try out the new style or the new technique uh, to see if it was viable for um, for my area or, or you know my application of food plots so and then also uh, basically I put in this year for uh, for um, you know put in for the bear application uh, elk application and also put in for South Dakota again unfortunately I uh, didn't draw on either of those so the elk, I'm not too surprised on. Bear, I know I got a couple more years yet uh, before I draw a bear tag. 
And so that one, not too surprised, like, you know, fingers were crossed that potentially, you know, might draw a tag. But again, I know I need a couple more points for that to be um, really be a feasible option. And then for the South Dakota, you know, not too surprising there. I, I, I basically know that I'm about one point short, um, really from drawing. But uh, Dwayne, who has taken me out there you know, two years in a row now, he drew. Um, so I'm excited for him. You know, basically the last two years he hadn't drawn. And basically, you know, was basically took me out there or went out there with me um, to go on the hunt. So I'm excited to be able to kind of switch roles now and have him be in, essentially in the gunner seat and me out there to, you know, just be with him or share that hunt with him. Uh, so that'll be really fun. You know, even the fact I'm not going to be uh, the one hunting uh, this year. So, but I mean, that's kind of it for the updates for now. On this episode, again, I'm joined by the team or some of the team um, from uh, Vantage Point Archery. Again, these are the guys that or guys, or the team, I guess I should say, that, uh, you know, this is the, the broad eye company that I use. Um, I've been using uh, for the past couple of years now, and I've been, you know, very happy with their products, and I, you know, have been in contact with them before. I actually, as you'll hear in the episode, have had a chance to tour their facility um, and see what their process looks like, um, and it's very impressive, and, you know, they are, again, they are a machine shop first, so their you know drive for precision and you know to put out a good product um is, is is up there and then i've been fortunate enough to you know as we started the the start of the conversation um they announced that they are coming out with a brand new uh, single bell broadhead that you'll be able to sharpen without needing any special jig or any special tools really is basically got some additional angles on it that's going to make it um you know basically all you need is your um, sharpening stone or whatever you use to uh, sharpen your broadheads that's all you need uh, it's going to simplify everything makes things much easier and I guess I would say they're not going to be as intimidating um, to deal with a single bevel where you know you got to have those angles right and you're dealing with again very hard steel that you know takes a lot to guilt you know to take some of that metal off um, and if you don't have it quite lined up in some of those jigs you could you know ruin your edge have the angle wrong where it's you're just going to be fighting the metal the whole time with this new system it sounds like it's going to eliminate all that makes things much easier so someone that's you know likes the idea of this the single bevel but not necessarily you know interested in the complexity of it this could be a good option for them so i'm very excited to be able to be part of the release or the promotion of that broadhead and uh yeah, certainly I'm looking forward to get my hands on them and test them out, trying them out and really, you know, kind of getting accustomed to them. So typically, you know, I always kind of like to go off the deep end and go in the really complex, you know, you know, parts of, you know, arrow tuning and the broadheads and arrow weights and stuff like that. And I like to bring it back and kind of simplify things. Uh, so this is looking like a simplified version of, of you know, that, that single bevel broadhead. So very excited about that, which they'll tell you more about it. And then there'll be certainly more to come um, as they do a you know more formal announcement and more and more people are getting their hands on it and able to do some reviews on it, which I'm very happy to be part of to be able to do that as well. So enough of me does, you know, going on, let's get into the conversation with the team from uh, BPA. Let's go ahead and do a quick introduction of everyone and, you know, who you are and what you do uh, at the company. Okay, I can go first. My name's Alex Christensen and I handle all the marketing here at BPA. My name is Ryan Corkwell and I handle all the sales and um, get to shoot stuff. 
And I'm Jeff Stringer. Um, me and Ryan and another guy own the place and just, you know, we're, we're passionate about archery. So we call it work, but it's kind of fun. Then. So we do a little bit of everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I mean, ultimately you guys were uh, a machine shop first and, you know, ventured into making broadheads. I mean, how did that all really start? Yeah, so we started out, like you said, as a machine shop. We've been around for about 30 years now. And one of our head engineers, Jeff Miller, is one of our head uh, machinists. And he was really passionate about bow hunting and just found a need for a, a better broadhead in the market. So he started out making the head and just giving it out to his friends. And then really from there, after like the word of mouth got around, we, we've just been growing like crazy, especially over the past couple of years. Yeah. So, I mean, when did, when did you guys start making or start uh, manufacturing the broadheads then? How long ago? 2009, I think. 2009. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So you guys First have been. 2009 was just um, that, that, that three blade, three to one, um, just that whole, like from 200 grains up really. It wasn't, we didn't even have like the, the small stuff yet. Yeah. 150 really. Yeah, because that's something that you guys have been expanding more is doing more of the lighter side and getting down to those those lighter weights for you know those those shooters, I guess, that don't want the, the heavy, heavy broadheads or those heavier weights. I think when you start looking, except for mechanicals, we we have the biggest selection selection of broadheads out there as far as weights, you know, making sure that we make the, the design, every design in every weight, which is no easy feat. I mean, everybody thinks, oh, you're just making broadheads. Try to hold all this geometry and hit, you know, within five grains of each other. It's it's not as easy as people think. That's why we're probably one of the only ones manufacturing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was certainly, I mean, like you said, I mean, you've got, you've got, you know, like you said, all the way from 100 grain all the way up to 300 grain. And, I mean, I've scoured the internet and haven't found another company that has that big of array of, of weights that you can choose from, um, especially in regards to the different styles of, you know, like you said, three blade, two blade and single bevel, um, that you've guys started doing now too. So, um, you know, again, the fact that you guys are able to, you know, produce that many different variations, um, all in one location is pretty amazing. It's a feat like, um, for us, and I know that we've talked about this before, Ty, like when you take a broadhead, it starts out at no matter if it's a hundred grains, or if it's 300 grains, you're starting out with 7,000 grains, which is one pound. So not only are we trying to be efficient in what we do, but we're trying to recycle and make sure that we're getting that back into the market. It's one of those hard feats to, to really do. Yeah. So I guess, I mean, you guys are doing more than just the broadheads too. So, I mean, what are the other products that you guys are machining, especially on for like the archery side? So we have a new release that will come out. Hopefully here in the next couple of months, we're going to come up with a release that nobody else has in the market. I think it'll be very unique. We're just trying to dial it in. We have the new, uh, I'm not even sure what we're calling we it. We haven't decided what we're calling it. The new VPA Broadhead <laughs> launching next month. So we're excited about that. And the unique thing about it is it's patented. Um, you can actually sharpen it on a flat stone. You don't need a jig for this single bevel. Um, it is revolutionary and we're excited to see what it does in the market. So, you know, any, we'll send you some samples so you can shoot them and be, have firsthand knowledge, not what we're telling you, you shoot them and see what you think. And then, 
know, go out there and tell people about them. We think it's going to change the way people look at single bevels. Yeah, yeah, especially too. I mean, yeah, single bevel is you know certainly on the rage, um, you know, for good reason. But they are, you know, especially if you're dealing with a, a better grade or harder steel, you know, they are an absolute pain to sharpen and make sure that you've got that edge just right or that angle right, um, or otherwise, you know, you're going to be, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, trying to cut steel out. And if you don't have that angle right, it's, you know, it's a, you know, they do make those jigs and whatnot, but it, it's, it's a task. But they're a pain. I'll be the first one to say that. Like we've even used the KME one that we help manufacture and sell. And it's just like getting it set just right. And I was showing Alex, another guy in the shop yesterday, like, no, you need to go a little bit more. We get out our marker and it's like, man, I'm selling something. And it's hard for me to explain this thing. So this lay flat head. And then I was working with this head. We had some in the shop yesterday. And I could get them, I've got, I'm missing hair on my arm. And that was after a good, like, five minutes of just messing with it and, and sharpening it. Oh, really? We, so, when, yeah. I'm out, when I'm out hunting, with, I use a three blade right now. When I'm out hunting, I have a stone with me. So I'm in the stand. That's what keeps me focused, right, as I'm sharpening. So this will be the only single bevel you can actually do in the stand. Yeah. Without a jig and having your whole table set up up there. So it'll be neat. Yeah. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm very eager to you know like you said get my hands on it so you know with that too i mean i'm i've gone like so far to the edge where like i've gone to like really complicated stuff you know doing deep dives on you know my arrow setup and the broadheads and then it always i always kind of you know veer back to try to go what's a little bit simpler what's the easier path and certainly that design seems like that's right in that wheelhouse yep Definitely. Yep. And we want to be able to have a broadhead for every hunter. That's why we've started out and have, you know, 100 to 300 grain, two blade, three blade, single bevel. And now this head just makes it um, more accessible for a wider variety of customers who don't want to spend a lot of time sharpening their heads or, or maybe they don't have the time to do that. So we're excited about it. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, and besides the, the broadheads you guys have, I mean, you guys are doing, you do field points as well. So basically the whole gamut of, you know, weights. So if you want. FMJs, um, thumpers, uh, turkey, spurs. turkey spurs. We're working on a new arrow spinner that I think I'm really excited about. Um, we uh, kind of trick out, you know, that you've been here. We kind of trick out and like run out and how straight we can we get stuff. Well, we're seeing issues with arrow spinners. It's like, well, that's not true. And that's not true. Like, how can we push the industry more to, to be true and what they're actually selling and making? Yeah. We're going to dig into um, making one unit can be a bold press, can be the string tensioner, can be the, I don't know what all the different components yeah. are, but you buy, we're going to design one that's made out of a, a system that you buy one unit and you can quickly change it over. It can be all three or four vices that they use for, those so that that'll come out hopefully the end of this year um and then we we talked about in the last year we put in probably the last two years we put in over six million dollars in advanced equipment for broadheads broadheads alone and then we're going to go out and we've got a, a way to sharpen them um that we're going to bring that i think will be revolutionary too that it's not going to be hand-tuned it's going to be repetitive and it's surgically sharp for a, a one-piece broadhead, which I think nobody in the industry does right now. We're also, well, they can't because it's injection molded. It's too yeah, soft. Sorry, too soft. Like, I'll get on. Like, <laughs> yeah, we'll get on that softest thing and the hardness and yeah, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted there. 
Yeah. And then we're also getting out, Alex will be announcing that we'll have for an extra fee, we'll come out with some match grade broadheads. You can buy them in sets that are that are super tight tolerances, already pre-sharpened. That just each broadhead will be exactly the same number, not not within a tolerance. I mean, they'll be stacked very closely. So wow. kind of get into a bullet system where you can buy bullets that are match grade. A lot of broadheads are match grade for those guys that really want to dial things in. Yeah, guys. yeah, that's definitely going on the to the deep end of <laughs> trying oh. to get precision. <laughs> so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, which is, I mean, that's the fun part, especially with archery. I mean, you can make it as simple as you want, or if you want to get it down into the weeds and, you know, really fine tune and, you know, almost go with the professional level of making sure everything's lined up perfectly and everything's, you know, tuned exactly, you know, the, you know, the best you can get it. You can always play around with that. And like you said, with the broadheads, you know, that's, especially that's the tip of the spear when it comes to hunting. So, yeah. No. Ryan will tell you a bit about our warranty that, you know, if you, if you bend one or do something to it while you're trying to kill a deer or an animal, we'll, we'll send you a new broadhead back. But our idea in the, in the industry is to listen to the customers and make sure that we're using their ideas. So being a full machine shop, when you ask what's new and what, what should go to the market, we really want to hear from your listeners, you know, from people like that of, Hey, could you make whatever that is? And if there's a market for it and it makes sense and it moves the industry forward, I think we're all guys that went on that. Yeah. 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 So I did, I did kind of jump, you know, kind of jump the gun a little bit. You know, you had mentioned that you guys were, you know, coming or designing a, a release. Now, is that going to be, you know, more so like a trigger release or like a wrist strap style, or is it going to be like more of a, the thumb style? It's going to look like a thumb style grip. But it's going to be, I'm not going to give you the whole secret. Sure, yeah. yeah. But it's going to be more towards a traditional release, how you would release if you were just shooting the string. Gotcha. With, it's going to be something similar to that. Okay. All right. Because I'm, I'm definitely, I, I did the whole, you know, thumb release back tension style. It's great for, I thought it was great for, you know, target shooting. But in the hunting scenario, I didn't like it. So I went right back to the, the thumb release or the trigger release. And um, so I was just... I, the, after you said that, I started thinking about more. I'm like, I kind of got my curiosity going as to what, what type of style you're you're thinking. It's gonna be interesting because we have Joel Turner coming out on the eighth and the ninth, and we're gonna we're gonna show it to him and some other people and just say, hey, what do you think? Because he's his whole training is about um, recoil and trigger jump, and we think this takes that out and it gets you back to the traditional piece. So. Gotcha. Wait and see. We've got to keep some of that stuff suspenseful, right? So people are always wondering, what are these guys doing next? Yeah, yeah, and that's why I'm not going to ask any more questions about it. I was just kind of curious as <laughs> the the general style of what you guys were were planning. So yeah, we'll shoot some out to you when we get them going, so that influencers like you can shoot them and give us some feedback before we hit the market. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm on board with that. I mean, I've certainly I love tinkering and testing the different stuff. I mean, right now I've got three different styles you guys' broadheads that I've set up with three different fletching configurations for each one. So, you know, I, I love playing around with that type of stuff and, you know, kind of figuring out what works and whatnot. So, um, Alex, we a set of three of these, of this new style, hopefully two weeks from now. Yeah. Hopefully you'll get them around the 4th of July here soon. Yeah. Awesome. I'll be excited. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm, I'm eager to, you know, try putting on the sharpening stone and seeing how much better that is or how much more I like that compared to 
you know, trying to use the jig. Cause I know I, Alex, I ran into you, um, during the toll archery challenge and I was asking about the, the jig and, um, yep. you know, need to get one. So, so this would be, uh, this would be nice. <laughs> yep. So I'm excited about that, especially too. Cause yeah, just looking at that single bevel and, you know, I mean, I worked on, uh, you know, sharpened one of them so far. And I mean, I mean, it took me, oh gosh, probably 30 minutes just to get a good edge on it. Um, and even that I probably could have done more to, you know, get it even sharper. So, but, yeah. um, and then, so certainly too, with like all your guys' broadheads, you know, well, a good majority of them you offer in a couple of different, um, you know, grades of steel. Um, so you know, uh, I guess probably Ryan, if you would, you know, talk about yeah. the type of steels that you're using and, you know, why you use those ones. So right now on our, um, we're calling it 1045, you would call it carbon tool steel. Um, we selected that steel because we like the Rockwell range and that's between a 52 and a 54. Um, we feel that guys, it's not only you can retain edges on it, but also like it'll hold up going through bone and not tear up the head because that's our big thing. We want something that your son can use, that your grandson can use, that no matter what, it will hold up. You can just throw it back on a stone and resharpen it. The next steel up is gonna be um, the premium steel, which is an S7 material. We tend to rock all that between 57 and 58. That's our green head, um, it's OD green. We do those only now in a single bevel. Um, I can see us going that route with a lot of our three blade stuff too, but then it's just offering another skew, which drives me kind of up a wall a little bit, but that's something that we can do. And we're, we're listening to the guys on that. Like when they ask like, Hey, can you do this? Can you do that? So those are the two steels besides the stainless, which is a, a softer material when you rock well it. Um, I, the stainless has its, its, its area, right? Like the Northwest, the, the, the Northeast, like where there's a lot of salt air. So um, the big one, the big one is the S7, the tool steel, which I get that all the time, which it's hard to sharpen. It is. Um, but guys want that edge retention. Some of them want that. That way they're throwing in the targets and being able to like keep that edge on there. Yeah. So if you would explain what that the what the Rockwell um, scoring is or how that's calculated, what that test is. So Rockwell's a standard hardness testing. It's a metallurgical test. So you actually, <clears throat> it's a, a point on a machine that measures how much resistance is in the metal. So there's a little tip on a, I'd have to show you on a, it looks like a big C clamp. You tighten it down to a range, you run the cycle, and it puts a uh, probe down in there, or a penetrator that goes down. How far it sinks is related to the Rockwell Rockwell was the guy that came up with the test for the Rockwell uh, nomenclature where it's at. That's the uneducated <laughs> answer. Yeah. That's like an educated answer to me. Good. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially what you're saying is that basically the higher that that score is, would it be basically the, the, harder. the harder and probably the better edge retention then? Uh, yeah, because, you get, because some guys in the industry are pushing that up to 62 to 63. And when you get that high, you're getting brittle. It gets brittle. You're okay. compromising on that side. And yeah. we don't want that. We want the edge retention along with like stability of the head. I hear more about some guys up that high where it's like, man, I passed through and I know I didn't hit a rock or anything. I just hit dirt and it's a trashed head. Yeah. Because it's so it just shatters. Yeah, because it's so just that sweet spot in there that you want it, you want edge retention, 
you want it to be malleable enough that it goes through and doesn't destroy the head. You get way up on that end. It's like a piece of tempered glass, right? You hit it and it shatters and it's no good after one time. It's almost it's almost like shooting a mechanical, one and done. Right? <laughs> That's where we've done a lot of testing to find that sweet spot and and make sure we've got the best hardness. Sure. And then Ryan, you're saying that that stainless isn't isn't really all that hard. It's not. Believe it or not, like a true stainless, what we use is a 416 stainless. You can only rock wall that and bake it up to like 42, 43, right? It's not it's not that hard. Okay. Yeah, because I know like yeah. a lot of like the, um, there's plenty of other companies that, you know, promote that the stainless steel is, you know, super hard and super durable. Um, you could be using a 420 stainless, which yeah. you can, depending upon what type of stainless you're using. Okay. You can get those bottles up there. Okay. Yeah, there's a whole different grades of well you know what that's what we should do we should buy some of those and see what they're, they're holding up yeah yep. some of our competitors use a high grade stainless but then you have to cryo sharpen it and you start thinking about that it's great when it first comes out of the pack and it's a great head but the guy that's got to go sharpen it after they shoot it two or three times it's not very user friendly that's probably the biggest drawback to it Okay. Is it just super hard to sharpen then after that, or like it just you can't? Oh, yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. You almost have to be a rocket scientist in, in to order. figure that one out. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then <laughs> the other thing too, I think if I'm not mistaken, you guys are using, um, you know, basically like forged steel, correct? Correct. And not like a cast type steel. It's rolled steel. Yep. Okay. It's not rolled. Forged. It's not forged. It's rolled. Rolled. Okay. I guess what what would be the difference then? Don't know. Just know that we don't like <laughs> Forge. Forge has, well, I should. I'm not an expert, but there's more, a little more porosity in a Forge than a cold rolled steel. Ours is cold rolled steel. Okay. And then I think what the cast is basically is, you know, basically you know liquid steel, and then they mold it basically into the the general shape. So and if like very I, porous. Yeah, that's the thing I've always heard is like it, they always talk about how strong it is, but then like if you cut it open, there's a bunch of little you know holes in the in the middle. Um, yeah, when you inject that metal, whether it's aluminum or steel, when it goes into the mold, there is some relief, but there's always porosity, always porosity inside that. So okay, it's gonna crack and fell and all right. So we eliminate that by. CNC machining it out of one solid piece so it's more durable yeah so I guess let's dive into that process I mean because I know Ryan you when I uh, came and visit you guys last year I mean you kind of walked me through the whole process I mean that's a multi-step process to take you know that hunk of steel and then go from machine to machine to machine to get it to you know where it needs to be um it's probably changed since he was here yeah it has changed okay and I think probably you're probably one of the last guys that got a tour on that because we're not doing those anymore Okay. Um, it's one of those things that um, we kind of found out that like um, what we do is what we do is different in the market. And what we do is it's yeah, it, it's not rocket science, but it's something that we want to protect because that process is a multi, like you're saying, Ty, it's a, it's a multi-step process that guys don't understand what it takes to make a broadhead. And the, and if they were to walk through the shop and be like, Holy smokes, like, this is highly tuned, highly like we're doing it through a really down to the the run out of point oh like tens. So we want to keep that kind of secret too. Okay. <laughs> All right. And it's strange enough. That's where we put the capital in because we we noticed some variation in 
our product coming out. And that's where we've dug in over the last 12 to 18 months is get, you never get 100% of the variation out, but we've taken a lot of the variation out that I don't think you'll find another, I know you won't find another broadhead on the market. Um, I should, let me. Solid it. one piece. Yeah, you won't find another broadhead on the market that doesn't come out of our shop because we, we make multiple broadheads, not just ours. It comes out of our shop that holds the, as tight as tolerance or runs as true as the broadheads that we make, whether they're our brand or somebody else's. We won't tell you all the all the brands, but you find one out there that's wobbling, bring it in. I guarantee it's not ours. Yep. Didn't come out of this shop, and should they should look at their processing too. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I was hoping to do a deep dive on the process, but I guess you guys are keeping that secret now. So um, we can tell you, but you can't. You can't air it in your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I've already, well, again, you guys said you changed a little bit. So, um, but I did get the tour. So I did get to see it is an extensive process. I mean, like, kind of Ryan, what you're saying. I mean, you guys are dealing with a block of steel and it's cut down to, you know, a finely tuned, you know, you know broadhead yeah. that you're going to put on About your 7,000 grains down to 100 grains, right? And guys just don't understand that when they think one pound of steel is making. 100 grains yeah and keeping tolerances throughout the whole process right yeah i know it like i said when you showed me that process i mean i was shocked of just how much and in, in depth it was but i mean i guess it makes sense with you know with something like that with the broadhead i mean i mean you guys are already talking about you know the tolerance that you need to have on you know on the front of that arrow you know it needs to be precise otherwise you're gonna get you know terrible arrow flight um it's not gonna perform like it should so yeah. I wouldn't even say the industry drives it to be that tight um, because we we experiment with all sorts of broadheads. It's us. It's our group that wants to drive it. You know, we don't we want to be the blue collar person's broadhead. So even though we 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 have some waste in our, the way we produce it, and it takes a lot of time to get one right where it needs to be, we still want to be in that price range where everybody can afford ourselves. So we we're very cognizant of that. Um, but we want to make it better. We, that's why we're in the industries. We don't want to just be the same as the guy down the street. We want to push and come up with some new stuff. And I think that's what you're going to see out of VPA is we're going to go from not just being a, a broadhead company, but we're going to go and do more things on the archery side, more stuff on the outdoor, more on the ammunition and armory side, and just start bringing those levels up. We're not ever going to be the ones that sell the biggest number of anything, but if you want good quality, affordable, U.S. made products, Vantage Point is where you go. Yeah. Yep, and we're committed to U.S. manufacturing and making quality products, and we we use that to push the industry to be more ethical too. We want to give you a quality product that's going to allow you to have an ethical hunt and ethical kill. So we're really that's that's what we believe in, and that's kind of our values. Yeah, we've we've been asked several times about why do you why don't you make them so they break? Why don't you cut it down so they're not as as strong as what they are and that's just not how we operate right that's not integrity right yeah. something that we're about is integrity yeah the industry all industries are changing that way with cars and trucks and whatever but we, we want to make something that you're proud to own you know somebody said we were on a podcast and they said there's a handbag out there that people say when you die your family will fight over the handbag well, when when i die i hope my kids have a whole bunch of broadheads that i've shot and killed with and they take off and shoot and kill with and our grandkids use them right and then, and then they're proud of the company we built yeah 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys are so on point too. I mean, I mean, as you guys know, I mean, manufacturing, you know, it's not what it used to be in the United States. You know, it's very, it's actually very difficult to find anything manufactured, you know, still in the states. Um, at least, especially in regards to a bulk of the, even the hunting industry. You know, it, I don't know. I'm kind of particular about it. I mean, it kind of sickens me just how much of the hunting industry is made overseas or, you know, how much is produced overseas. You know, I mean, it probably sounds kind of cliche, but I mean, there's nothing more American than hunting and why is it everything's being produced, you know, you're not in the U.S. and whatnot. So, you know, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm you know, that's the other, yeah. So that's, again, another reason why I love you guys' company because, you know, again, you're, you know, you know, in the U.S., I mean, you're, you're right in the Midwest there. Um, so right in, you know, especially White Hill Country and, you know, huge hunting uh you know heritage in this area especially so um but yeah i mean yeah i i get that too and it's really nice too like it's actually very nice to be able to like shoot a deer with a broadhead and then you know be able to pull that broadhead out of the dirt and see that it's still perfectly fine and you can just you know put it back in your quiver clean up your arrow and uh you know maybe you know pull a little bit of an edge on clean the edge up and go hunting with it again um, you know, certainly I've got two arrows in my quiver right now that, you know, two different broadheads that both have been through a deer. Um, and I've, you know, marked off on the fletching that, you know, this one has killed a deer and it's, you know, they're still ready to go. I love that. You, you talk about picking it up out of the dirt, not because you missed, because you went all the way through. Yeah. A lot of our competitors, you know, we watch these videos and they don't get full penetration. It doesn't go all the way through and end up in the dirt. You see it skim around the the chest cavity, the rib cage, and watch the deer run off. Ryan likes to watch his fall 30 feet from where he shot him. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I will say, though, that, like, I know, like, the, the, um, the inch and eighth, you know, I didn't run into her a couple of times where, I, you know, I end up hitting high on a couple of deer, and I did have a harder time, you know, getting a blood trail, you know, because, of course, it, the blood's pulling up in the chest cavity before it started pulling out. And a little bit of me was like, maybe I need to go with a bigger, a bigger cut or a bigger broadhead. Um, but then I ended up, uh, shooting a doe. Um, basically it was a frontal, a front on shot, um, went right through the heart and the arrow actually was halfway sticking out of the backside of the deer. Um, it cut that far through, um, you know, basically once I made the shot, you know, I lost sight of my knock, the deer turned, I see all the arrow sticking out and knew that the deer was done. That's amazing. That's cool. No. Yeah, shot placement's everything, but you know where you hit it high. You know if you I don't know where you hit it, but if you hit it at the top of the shoulder, there's some broadheads that wouldn't even made it through the shoulder, and it would have been a wounded deer and ran off. With ours, we know. I mean, I got in the back of my truck right now. I've got six cow shoulders and like 16 pig shoulders. That's how we test it. We don't. We're not shooting for the soft part. That's where you want to hit them is through the rib cage. But we want to make sure that if you hit them front or you hit them high. You're still gonna find that deer. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, and that ultimately that's what it was. I mean, those deer, both those deer that you know, even I hit high. I mean, they were still within a hundred yards of of the shot. So you know, certainly still did this yeah. thing. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I've ran into that too. I mean, with playing all the different broadheads, you know, I different manufacturers, you know, especially ones that you know, you know, especially the ones that were made out of aluminum, like aluminum ferrules and whatnot. You know, I, I got rid of those real quick after, you know, shouldering one deer and, you know, basically the broadhead broke off right at the insert 
and it's like, well, that that's garbage. So yeah, it's, something it's, with the design, the design that we have with our single bevel being that whether it's the new design, we've talked about this before, like when it penetrates through, it's going to corkscrew through and cause that much more damage instead of just instead of just going in, right? We don't want that. We want it to corkscrew and cause the maximum amount of damage that damage as it passes through the animal. Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly too, I mean, um, I know you guys focus on quite a bit with, um, you know, the shape of those broadheads, especially with um, quite a bit with the cutting angle, you know, and that again, you know, anyone that dives in, especially those heavier broadheads, you know, it's about the, you know, the Ash, uh, Ashby report and, you know, that, that cut angle, you know, basically, limiting the amount of you know kinetic energy you're needing to penetrate um because of that shape yeah because so, i know I've, i even played around with some of your guys's heads and you know doing like a my own little like penetration test on just even cutting through like cardboard or something like that and you know i grabbed one of the old mechanicals i had you know in my box and it was amazing just how much more force it took to try to punch through um you know a piece of cardboard in comparison to you know again you know, especially that single bevel, you know, because of that finer edge. I mean, once you once that starts cutting, it, you know, it cuts through it super easy. Especially if if you're using like a shorter or not a shorter, but a, a lighter poundage bow, you know, that's going to really help with your penetration, especially. Definitely. What do we guarantee? I don't know what we guarantee. We guarantee a lot. We guarantee ours is open on impact. Oh yeah, yeah. We're yeah. fully deployed. <laughs> what do you guarantee? Besides the warranty on the heads. Yeah, you're so right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess, I mean, is there anything else that, um, that I might have missed or that you guys want to touch on that, um, you know, especially you guys already kind of covered, you know, what you've kind of got coming down the pipeline. And um, but is there anything else that I might have missed or that you guys want to highlight on? I think going back to our conversation about companies in the hunting industry not making their products here in the USA, if any companies are listening or, or tell people you know or the companies that you like, bring your manufacturing back to the USA. We're a machine shop. You've seen it. We have we have the capability to, to machine so many of the products that are that we're seeing and using every day. Um, talk to us and, and we'll work with you to get the best pricing we can. And we want to work and grow together. We do a lot of white labeling in the industry that people don't even know about. So it's not like you come to us and all of a sudden we take your idea and it's got VPA all over it. We, that's not us. We want to be good at what we do, but we also understand that we're not the only ones in the industry. There's some great other products out there that some of them we make, some of them we don't, um, but we're proud of the, the U.S. made piece of it. And I think as a hunter, you said, you know, a lot of it's coming out of China. It's about the consumer. If the consumer said, I'm not buying anything unless it's got USA made on it, we're the ones that change it. It's not the manufacturers that change it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. And it, I mean, sometimes it's tough. I mean, you start looking at the price point of, you know, some, some products that are American made and you're just like, man, that's, I mean, that's, you know, depending on what you're getting, I mean, that's a couple hundred dollars difference compared to, you know, what's made in the U S and you know, what can, what you can get for, you know, something off of like Amazon or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're totally right. It's, it's up to the, you know, the individual, to make that conscious decision that they're gonna, you know, invest into, you know, American-made stuff and stuff like that. So, yeah, you're you're on point with that. Ours, this this broadhead's made was designed by um, actually a rocket scientist, believe it or not, 
and Jeff Miller helped him out. Jeff Miller did most of ours, but you got somebody that's got 40 years in the industry making those broadheads. Where you go to China and you got a 10 year old in a you know a sweatshop making your broadhead. So it's pretty ethical for me to say I'll pay Jeff Miller a decent wage to do that instead of having some 10 year old kid deprived child cranking out something in a sweatshop. So. Yep, and we have 40, I think, families we support out here. We, we're growing every day. We're hiring new positions and, and really growing our team. So we're that's what's important to us. All right. Anything else you guys got? I got nothing. Got nothing. No, Thanks for just, having us on. Yeah, we yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, stay oh. tuned for the, the new launch of our, our new VPA broadhead next month. More details to come. We'll send some your way, and you can post about it on your channel and all your social. and and yeah. get the word out but if you like a single bevel broadhead and and you don't like to sharpen it or, or you want something that's a little more practical for getting out in the woods quicker this is the head for you and we appreciate you jumping on and just talking to us because it's people like you and your listeners that we want we're not out looking for influencers that we have to pay two three hundred thousand dollars to that shoot our head because we pay them to we're really looking for the people that love to hunt love the product love the value and we'll listen to you. if there's something you want us to make, something you want us to change that makes sense. We're we're all ears. So yeah, appreciate you. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I was just thinking too, like you guys talking about, you know, companies reaching out. I'm like, I wonder if you guys have considered, you know, especially with like the mobile hunting, um, getting more and more popular. I wonder if you guys considered uh, making some climbing sticks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're open to any of them. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, I could be there. I can you see got an idea. Yeah. I see the wheels turning up there. Yeah. yeah. Come over. <laughs> yeah, because I know especially, I mean, that, that the mobile hunting, um, you know, it's kind of becoming a craze now with everyone, you know, doing the run and gun and lightweight stuff and, you know, tearing down and, you know, putting up new stands every time you hunt. So I might have to think about something that and see if I can come up with something for you guys. <laughs> I'm certainly no engineer, but... <laughs> I'd be excited we to. Got we got that covered. All right. <laughs> All right. So I guess, um, you know, we haven't talked about, but I mean, if someone was interested in looking in, um, you know, looking, looking at getting some products or seeing what you guys are all about, you know, where, where should they go to, to find you? Yeah, they can go to our website, vparchery.com or just Google Vantage Point Archery or VPA Broadheads. And then we're on all the social media platforms platforms to search bpa all right and then certainly too you know i'll cert- certainly add like uh the website link and whatnot into the show description so it'll be a quick easy way for people to you know to find you guys awesome thank you yeah. and maybe follow up after you see these heads you'll follow up see what you really think yeah certainly i mean i'm actually uh i'm impatiently waiting on uh my new bow to come in so um, I just ordered up a couple weeks ago. The bow's in, the quiver's in. I'm still waiting on the release, so. Gotcha. But yeah, so I'll be certainly uh, working on some tuning of, you know, getting everything ready for that new bow and certainly playing around. What with grain the... weight are you running up front this year, Ty? What's that? What grain weight are you running up front this year? Um, I'm probably going to stick with the 200 grain. So um, I was running um, a stainless steel insert as well. So, um, but that was, I mean, I was, I was running a 630 grain arrow with and i've yeah, only got a 27 and a half inch draw so i mean it was i mean it was basically shooting artillery rounds <laughs> arcing them in there but 
long darts. Yeah, pretty much. So I, uh, I cut back down. I went down to aluminum insert. Um, I, I, I shoot the uh, gold tip airstrike, so it's got the aluminum insert, but then it's also got the aluminum collar on top of it. Um, so I do have a little bit of still strength around that, the you know that ferrule and whatnot. But but yeah, so right now it's at 580-ish, uh, depending on which fletching configuration I'm shooting. So. But. All right. Well, good. these these heads, I think you'll like them because they're coming out at 200 grains. That's going to be the release weight. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. I'll send you all the the technical details of the head too, so you're kind of informed on why we designed it the way we did and and what benefits that offers. Perfect. I like it. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thank yeah, you. We'll be talking soon. Yeah, yeah. And then again, thank you for coming on, guys. Um, you know, I, I was super excited. I know that we had kind of talked about uh, you know, doing a podcast last year. I kind of came down to visit, but again, it just kind of turned into the tour and whatnot, and. It was kind of short notice where I didn't have everything planned out or I didn't have a good mobile <laughs> program set up for trying to do this. So, um, so again, I appreciate you guys taking the time and uh, I'll sit down and chat. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Talk yeah. soon. See ya. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good day. All right. Thank you to Jeff, Ryan, and Alex for coming onto the show. Uh, again, thank you for your time and you know sitting down with me and. Uh, talking about your your new product, I'm very honored that you guys chose to have uh, you know my my podcast be the one that you're gonna uh, you know basically kind of come out with it first or be the first platform to be able to share it. So very excited about that, and uh, you know I'm very eager to see what else you guys have in store. It sounds like you guys have big plans to be able to expand uh, what you do, and uh, you know. Again, very eager to see what you have in store for the hunting industry, especially. So one thing I did want to touch on, too, um, that we kind of talked about, you know, from the episode is, you know, the type of steel that's being used. And so I was, I was even more curious about, you know, the different types of steel, whether it's forged or rolled or, uh, you know, cast steel. And kind of what I found out is that, you know, forged steel for larger implications or larger, uh, you know, projects or pieces of, you know, pieces of a final product or whatnot. Uh, the rolled steel, which kind of comes down into two different categories. You've got hot roll and cold roll. And cold, cold roll is what they use um, over at Vantage Point Archery. So um, basically the difference between those are instead of, you know, hammered out steel like forges, uh, rolled is what it sounds like. It's basically rolled through, you know, rollers. Um, and that's what, you know, you know, hammers it in essentially um, just by going through those rollers, and uh, that's basically used more for uh, dealing with more precision type tools or smaller products. Um, and ultimately, you know, hot hot roll is what it sounds like it's hot metal that's ran through um, and pressed in that regard. It's uh, basically got a rougher surface on it, uh, and then cold rolled is done, essentially is run through like hot steel is, and then it runs through again uh, at room temperature or when the steel's you know, cooled down essentially. Um, that makes the product just a little bit harder, and it also has a, uh, a more smooth surface. So the hot roll would have kind of like a, a flaky or more um, you know, rough surface, surface, and the cold roll is gonna be a little bit more refined, um, and again, a little bit harder steel um, to begin with. So, 
does a couple you know nuanced details about the type of steel um so they do you know go through and they're using you know high quality steel or at least in regards to how of its production as well so just a little bit of food for thought again me just being curious i dove into that topic just a little bit more to really get the the idea of you know why they use the product that they're using uh, so again it's basically a, a harder steel that's again used more for more precision um, or smaller parts really so again you're looking at broadhead as a smaller piece of metal so it's fitting for the application and then i mean that's pretty much it i mean we're getting into uh you know again it's july and you know it's only going to be a few more months and then it's going to be uh hunting season again so really starting to you know increase the focus on getting those trail cameras out i've got several out that i'm going to be checking uh, essentially tomorrow and then putting a few more out on the private piece and then going to be throwing a few cameras out on some of the public lands that i kind of want to get a judge of kind of what they are in the area and uh basically kind of you know doing some boots on the ground scouting and expanding to new areas um, and also checking out some areas that i've hunted in the past but they've done a lot of logging um, within that area so it's basically kind of relearn some of the some of the those those, those spots really uh, because of the you know the habitat changing and especially the type of cover and the amount of edge now it's going to be uh you know a bigger process to be able basically kind of figure out all those edges you know figure out the entrance and exit of some of these areas now with all this edge uh it's going to be a little more complicated to try to figure out exactly where deer are coming out into certain openings uh the one good thing is is now again with more open area you're also dealing with less cover so if, when trying to find out where those deer are, are bedding or getting into that thicker cover uh you basically have a little bit less area to try to cover in that regard so uh you know it kind of just depends on what you're really looking at if it's a, a, a an open area that seems like it's a good food source uh, then that might be a little more difficult to try to pin down exactly where they're coming in at or where they're hanging out in that area one good thing again is if you're looking at uh, the cover in an area that's been logged there's less areas of cover uh, so it's going to be more concentrated potentially uh, so making that search you know potentially easier to kind of pinpoint where the deer are holding up at so getting out there really getting the the scouting going and then basically kind of getting prepared for uh you know we've only got a few weeks left really it's going to be you know here before we know it uh in regards to the deer hunt and then we're or during the summer where you know trying to get out on the lake um fortunately the my boat motor um you know is down for the count i do have a new part that i just got in so i do have to work on the boat motor a little bit hopefully be able to get back out on the lake and again to be able to motor around a little bit um easier on the lake uh, with that boat motor up and running again so uh, the plan is to get out on the lake and do some more fishing um, again my po my main focus is pike uh, that's kind of what i'm hung up on these days uh, but of course the, the rest of the family will be doing probably bluegill and bass and perch and you know that type of things you know some opportunity for some fish fries uh, here in the near future so very excited about that um, it's been a little bit of a while since we've had one so but I do think that's it on this one. Again, thank you as always for listening. And I appreciate all your time and support. And as always, get out there, be safe, and have fun.